in Seattle. Seattle. You need to buy yourself a home. We'll be right there for you. Because we're the realtors that you can trust. So go to RodandDonsitDown.com. Don't go anywhere unless you want to. It's the Ron and Don Show, starring Ron and Don, and sometimes me, at ronanddon.com. Hey, you guys, what's going on? And welcome to episode 666 now of the Ron and Don Show. And we are back in 2024, and we are live in the Les Schwab studio. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Hey, coming up on the Ron and Don Show, a new study out says, hey, if you have this kind of communication skill or non-communication skill uh, in your marriage, uh, they can predict your divorce up to something crazy like 94%. So Ron will have that story also. I'm pretty pumped because my son, uh, late last year, uh, in fact, earlier in the year, he joined a school called the School of Rock, and he had his just had his first rock show. I can't wait to tell you about it. Before we get to that, though, let's get to this. Home prices in 2024 are supposed to trickle down. In fact, right now in January, February, into March is where you're supposed to be able to go out and find some deals. Ron has just been out with a client. And Ron, what did you find in kind of the January 2024, February 2024 pricing? What's it like out there? Well, the pricing and, and um, inventory and mentality, I think, are a little bit different things. So the, the, the we have a, a client, he's in law enforcement, wanted to get a condo here in Seattle. And so we uh, were looking around at condos. And one thing, just as a side note, that was very interesting. And <laughs> I, I don't know if the Seattle Chamber of Commerce could time this any better. We're meeting at a condo uh, at the lower side of Queen Anne, uh, right sort of by the theater. And there's a Dick's drive in there and there's, uh, access to the hockey stadium. It, it's, it's a really prime location as we're driving up. So I'm looking for a parking space. They, they had already found a parking space. There is two, this is like nine, eight 45 in the morning on a Sunday. And it's about 20 degrees outside two zombies walking total disregard for whether the light is red or green or yellow or walk or stop walk right across uh mercer and queen anne uh just completely zombified completely Mm. so right right in front of this client looking for neighborhood then as i'm driving in front of the theater there is another guy with his pants around his ankles in broad daylight on the street, just taking a dump on the street on Queen Anne Avenue. Yeah. Like, didn't try to go in an alley. Mm. He's not squeezed between two dumpsters or something. He's on the sidewalk, pants around his ankles. And so we get there, we look at the condo, beautiful condo, beautiful roof deck, and they were like, yeah, I got hustled twice and saw the guy taking a dump on the because I think we're going to pass on. Sounds this like one. the guy didn't like his dick's driving. He, the, he did not like his, his dick's, dick's driving. A little hard. So that's just a different story for a different day. I think we can talk about. It. But it was it was uh, the first time I had seen that on my way to show a listing, and I had to be honest. Like they asked me, "What do you think?" And I said, "The condo's great." But I did see a guy taking a dump on the sidewalk out front, so it's probably it's probably a hard pass. What, what was his view being in being in law enforcement when he said that? Because it's very interesting 
when you talk to law enforcement law officer, law officers and how they see that, because a lot of people think it's their job to get that guy to pull his pants up or to stop the zombies being zombified. And what you find out is when you talk to law enforcement, number one, it's pretty hands off unless they get a complaint. Number two, even if they get a complaint, someone dials 911. Sometimes they can't show up for hours because there's, there's just not enough cops, not only on the streets in Seattle, but in, in outlying bedroom communities too. Uh, he, he's kind of more in the federal level. So he sort of viewed it as you and I would as citizens more that he's not in that field and have a lot of overlap with it. But he's there with his wife and he's like, yeah, this is going to work. Like, like I would want my wife to feel like she could walk to the market by herself if I'm working or walk to the theater or whatever. And, and we just don't get that vibe. So that's a different story for a different day. In terms of price, the original question that you asked, the condo we ended up riding on or in, in contract with right now uh, is interesting because it'd been on the market for like 70 days. And so right before we put our offer in, I was talking to the agents. He said, listen, we got an offer. It was a lowball offer because these people saw that we'd been on the market for two months and my client's just going to say no, like this is Queen Anne. They're not, you know, they don't need this money tomorrow. They want to get rid of these people bought this condo for their son uh, while he's going to the University of Washington. Like they're not, you know, they're, 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 they're not hurting for gas money. So they're just not going to go there. And so I think, but in, in other neighborhoods, uh, we're in contract on a house that's going to close down in, uh, in Auburn. So in Auburn, that was a little bit different. Like those people were a little more inclined to work with us. And and this is a single family home down there that had been on the market for around a similar number of days where it's like, Hey, we, we know you've been on the market. We know there's not a ton of offers. You should work with us. And they did. So both places I got for under list price, but not as big a haircut as I think people might think. And so prices are down like a couple of percent. It's not a huge crater. This is not 2008. Uh, you're not seeing that. Um, in terms of the inventory is still very limited. Um, I've been doing some CMAs lately, kind of comparative market analysis for some people. And uh, in some of these neighborhoods I look, there'll be like two live listings uh, in, in a geographic area. And it's that's unusual for the most part, e- even right now. Normally, in the past couple, three years, when we hit January 1st, you would see at least you'd go into a neighborhood and you might see five listings uh, or even more, depending on the neighborhood. So to see two is lower. So what I think is going to happen and I actually put this up on my socials, is this, this is still, a, if you are going to buy, this is a good time to buy. Yep. Inventory is lower, but the competition is going to be lower. And I'm really getting the vibe from people. And when I talk to lenders and I talk to title people and, and I'm talking to other real estate agents, people are finally coming to terms with 6.5% or lower for an interest rate is reasonable. Um, in that the 3%, 2.8%, that was the anomaly. We were saying that in real time and people just didn't want to hear it. They didn't want to hear it. They thought this was going to last forever. 
They thought that the free money was a thing. And I remember us talking about how it affects things like Uber. And we were like, why is it? Why is Uber tripled in cost? I used to be able to take an Uber for five bucks and now it's 20 bucks. I used to be able to take an Uber to the airport for $19.99 and now it's $75. So we talked that that was the, another byproduct of free money. We talked about overnight shipping. We talked about a lot of these things, Uber Eats, uh, you know, delivery services where the first round you could get Grubhub uh, to your house house for 15 bucks. And then all of a sudden it was 50 for the same meal. And so all of that is because money became more expensive. I think people are finally coming to terms with, okay, this is what it is. This is the new reality, six and a half percent. So if I'm going to jump in the game, um, I, that, that is, is good, but just to drop from 8% to 6.5 saves you on a, on a, just a median price in Seattle, it saves you about $800 a month. Uh, in your mortgage payment. I mean, that's, that's real money over the course of a year that you're paying for your mortgage. So like, that's no joke. If you have a 750 to a million dollar house or a million two, you, you might save a thousand dollars a month just going from, you know, 8% to 6.5. So that, that's no joke. Yeah. It's interesting right here. Um, uh, and this is where you're talking about Queen Anne is lower Queen Anne. It's where the bar tells is shut down. It's where they're, they're having some real issues. You see restaurants shutting down, uh, some coffee shops shutting down because of the kind of behavior that you're talking about. Other parts of Queen Anne are, are very vibrant. And over on the West Slope, there were three homes over here that were listed last year that were big new homes that builders built with cottages, so day-dos in the backyard. And last year, these builders tried to sell them together as a package deal. One was listed at $3.7 million, another one at $4 million, and they couldn't garner any interest. Then they tried splitting those up and saying, okay, well, we're going to sell off the backyard cottage from the big house. Problem is, though, if somebody could afford a 2.5 to $3 million house, they don't really want somebody else living in their backyard that's a backyard cottage. So in a place like Ballard, for instance, that works, where maybe you have, and, and especially if it's on an alley, where maybe you have a million-dollar property on one side of the property and a million-dollar property on the other side of the property. Or if you have a giant lot and you're not looking out your yeah. window at them. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's been very difficult. What's interesting, though, is we got into 2024, those three properties right now, and the builders are able to hang on. And I talked to all of them the other day. They all sold. Two of those sold with the cottages. One did not. One sold for $2.5 million. And the guy still has about a cottage that he, a cottage that he thinks is worth about a million dollars. I don't know exactly how he's going to sell it because it's on the driveway of the $2.5 million house. But they were able to sell those homes. And I was talking to them and I asked them, what, it, what did it feel like as we came into 2024? And he said, they said, you know what it felt like? is people started to see that the spring of 2024 was coming and that if they wanted any kind of deal, the deal was now because they felt like inventory wasn't going to skyrocket. These homes had some price reductions built in them and they ended up stepping to these homes, writing checks, buying these properties. So, um, so I don't know if that's indicative of everything that we're going to see, but, but how are you feeling as, as you talked to other realtors? In fact, I was talking to one of our stagers today. We were meeting at a place up in Edmonds 
uh, where we have a client and, and she was saying, yeah, you know what? I'm doing a lot of walkthroughs right now, but people haven't committed yet to, to, to selling some of these properties, but they're interested in knowing what could these properties sell for in 2024? What would it cost to stage these properties? So at least they're beginning to look at numbers. But she said, as far as a lot of the realtors that she's dealing with, she said, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, it's not like it was a couple of years ago where you talk to one, one realtor and they'd say, Hey, in the spring, I got, I got 12 coming on. So, yeah, I, I agree with that. And I, I also think that people, I think people are, this year is going to be driven more by life choices than it was by finances in a sense. Like I think 2021, 2022 were, it, that was, those were financial moves. People were seeing the escalation. Uh, a lot of people got out at what they perceived to be a top uh, and, and just cashed their check in and it was their piggy bank and, and good for those people. We had several clients like that were like, holy cow, I never thought I'd get this much for my house. Or we went $400,000 over, totally ecstatic. So those, a lot of those were financially timing driven. I think we're going to start to see people where it's lifestyle driven, where it's like, I needed to move for my mental health. I have a situation with my family. I have a loved one that died. I have um, just just a need to have a bigger place or a smaller place or a right size place. And so I'm going to go ahead and do this, even if it means, you know, sacrificing a, a 3% interest rate. What What is my life and what is my mental health? What is my lifestyle worth? Um, am I going to just be a slave to this interest rate? Or am I going to pull my head up and, and lift up my chin and go, okay, I'm going to make the right decision for me. And maybe it cost me a couple dollars, but boy, I'm going to be a lot happier in that situation. That That's the vibe that I'm getting with people. Yeah. And, and, and two of our clients, I helped install day dues last year. What's really interesting uh, not day dues, I'm sorry, ADUs. ADUs are attached to the house. So think of a basement apartment. Day dues, uh, think of something that's detached out in the backyard like a cottage, maybe off the alley. And it's interesting because those two clients built those and they're done. And they've kind of moved their stuff into those and they're using them now. And I'm like, I thought you were going to use this as an extra door income. And they're like, yeah, but it's 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 so cool, and I decided to go ahead and stay at home and, and use as an office. Plus, I'm not sure if I wanted – one of them has a little baby. Two, Both of them have babies, and they're like, we're not sure if we wanted strangers living on our property while we have this baby, and we can afford to do that. I will say this. Even though they're using those ADUs for their own function, uh, they have tremendously both – increase the value of those homes when they go to sell, even if they're not using those uh, as, as rentable income now. We will see you on the other side of this. Hey, you guys, what's going on? It's Don. Now listen to me. I had a neighbor walk up the street and say to me the other day, hey, we're interested in having you sell our home but it seems like this is a bad time to sell a home and we need the money from our home to leave Queen Anne, Washington and we're going to Mexico and we're taking our dog that we found in Mexico, Poncho, we're taking him back home and that's where we're going to live from now on. What's crazy is the gentleman that owns that house used to own the house that I'm sitting in. They sold me this house, right? Anyway, I had some good news for them and I had to tell them, hey, is the summer months you want to sell in the fall? The market is actually very good right now for sellers. But your home must be dialed in. And Ron, you must do 
your work in this marketplace right now. And if you do, sellers, you will be rewarded, right? Yeah, and it all starts with a Ron and Don sit down. No obligation. It's free of charge. It's on Zoom. It's about half an hour. Email me directly, ron at ronandon.com or go to the website, ronandonsitdown.com. All right, you guys, welcome back to the Ron and Don Show. Don't forget if you need us, everything starts with the Ron and Don sit down. We do sell the sound. In fact, we heard from another client this morning in Tacoma, another client in Auburn, another client here on Queen Anne up in Edmonds. Again, if you need us, just reach out. We do sell the sound. And the cool thing is after we help you buy or sell a house, I was helping a client that bought a house from us a couple months ago with something just the other day. And uh, we, I was also helping a client who's uh, pipes ended up bursting who we helped just a couple of years ago. So remember, if you need us for anything, uh, just reach out. We're here to help. And sometimes you just need uh, a good contractor, a good sub. And we have lots of uh, great ideas for you too. Okay. Ron and Don sit down.com. We do a sell the sound. Let's talk about something here. Non-real estate uh, related. They say though a lot of people <laughs> do go out in the springboard of real estate and they're looking at property sometimes because during the holidays, uh, they were a couple. And then in the spring, uh, they have decided spring has sprung that they no longer want to be a couple. In fact, January one, a lot of people hear from their tax or a lot of people reach out to their tax account and say, hey, moving forward, we're going to do our taxes differently. And then also divorce lawyers uh, hear from a lot of people uh, going into the new year, which I thought was very interesting. So Ron sent me a story last night. I think you'll find it interesting. And it's all about communication, isn't it? Yeah, this uh, comes from it's a, it's a local place, believe it or not, the Gottman Institute. And, and I believe they uh, do their study, most of the stuff over by the University of Washington. And so uh, this is a, a couple, and they believe that they can predict with 94% accuracy whether or not you're going to get a divorce. And it's very simple what they do, but 94% accuracy. So if you've thought uh, to yourself, I wonder if this marriage is going to last, uh, and you're here in the Pacific Northwest, they actually do seminars and studies at the Love Lab. And so let me tell you a little bit about this first, which, which is super interesting. Because they are attached to the University of Washington, they're able to get graduate students and students that are studying psychology and some different behavioral things to do to work at the Love Lab for very little money so they can do this uh, in a relatively inexpensive way. So what you do is you go in with your partner, your romantic partner, your, your husband or wife or uh, whatever the configuration is, and you stay for a period of time in the Love Lab. And so in this love life, it's a, it's, a, it's a condo, it's an apartment. And, but there are cameras and microphones embedded in, in the unit you're staying in. And so what, the, what they're trying to do is they record everything and then they hand that footage off to these research assistants that, that are getting their degrees at University of Washington and they score every single comment and, and or gesture that they see. And so, and they're going to score it as, um, as a one up, a one down, a one across, or they have these different metri matrices that they're using to score these comments. So just everyday couples, when the, the woman comes home from the store, they'll like say, Hey, did the, did the husband help carry in groceries? They give that a score. What was the comment? Did, did she then make a comment? Uh, either, hey, thanks for helping out, gets a score. Uh, hey, why didn't you help me carry in the groceries? You get a score. So they go through the entire, every single interaction this couple has, and they give it a, a score. And at the end of that, 
they're able to predict with 94% accuracy if this couple is going to get a divorce. So they've been doing this for a long time, and they, they identified, you may have heard, uh, their four horsemen. If you're in a relationship where you have criticism, contempt, defensiveness, or stone, stonewalling in your vocabulary and your mannerisms with your partner, you're going to get a divorce. Mm. And so the new one that they had... Um, that they're overlaying on this, they say has even increased their um, effectiveness and their predictive quality is, is something super simple. Do you turn towards or away from your partner? And then followed with one of the, the four horsemen. So in, in a very simple example. So let's say so your partner says, oh my God, you got to look at this thing I just saw on YouTube. If a partner turns towards that other person, and goes over and engages without contempt and without defensiveness, without stonewalling them, without criticism, that couple's probably going to survive. If you roll your eyes and you're like, oh, you always send me memes. Like, can you just stop it with the memes? Or like, that's not funny. Or why, why isn't dinner cooked and you're looking at YouTube videos? Whatever. If that's your response <laughs> and you're, you're not, oh boy. you don't turn towards that person. Why is not dinner cooked? You're in trouble there. Yeah, then you're probably going to get a divorce. <laughs> that's a rough and, expectation and, in 2024 so to have a partner. Right? What they have found, and I'm not saying that gendered. I'm saying it could be either way. Um, what they found is that couples that are successful turn toward, figuratively and literally, turn toward their partner 20 times more mm. in any given time period, I think it's daily maybe, than couples that are doomed to get a divorce. And and so it's just, it's a really simple metric. Yeah. And I think we all have that instinct. And so if you, if you feel, and this probably could go for friendships or business partners or whatever, if when they try to engage with you, if you find yourself turning away or withdrawing or rolling your eyes or stonewalling them, that relationship is probably not going to succeed. If you find yourself engaging, and, and, and obviously there are times that it could be annoying or there are times where you're going to be critical. Like they're not saying that you never do that. They're just saying that this behavior, when you turn away from someone, is actually more damaging in the long term than just an out and out rejection. Hmm. If someone just says, I don't want to watch that video, stonewalling and critical and turning away from them instead of turning towards them. Um, if you have that habit in your life that you're, you're going to get a divorce. Yeah. Wow. Cause it's, it, it's never about dinner being made by the, by the time it gets there. Uh, it's there. We will see you on that side. Hey, it's Ronnie on here with Mitch Weeks. You know him as Mitch.loans. Mitch, a lot of people find themselves in this scenario. Maybe they're downsizing and they're like, where am I going to live when I sell this house? Because I don't have my other house yet. And it freaks them out. And sometimes they, they tap the brakes. Is there anything we can do in a loan way to help someone in that scenario? 
Absolutely. We have a great new program. It's called Buy Before You Sell, and it's structured to help exactly those type of people. What you can do is you tap into the equity in your home in advance. So let's say you've already paid, you've been living in a house for a while, you've already paid it down, and about half of it's equity. You can get up to 80% of the value of your house in that equity. You get that in, and that's the down payment on your next home. Hmm. Not only that, but in this program, you're not hit for your debt on your old house or that loan because it's a 0% interest loan. And because of that, you can buy your next house before you have to sell your current house. It means you don't have to move twice and it just adds a lot less stress. Yeah, absolutely adds a lot less stress. So if that's the scenario for you or you've been having a stumbling block, if I don't know where I'm going to live first before I sell this house, give Mitch a call or you can contact us. It's Mitch.loans or run it on sitdown.com. Again, Mitch.loans. All right, you guys, we are back on the Run of Dawn show, and something kind of cool that I noticed uh, probably a couple of years ago uh, with my son. He was taking the trumpet at school, and then they asked if anybody, they got a new band teacher, and the band teacher really wanted to make sure that all the instruments were represented, and they didn't have a tuba. So he asked, is there anybody out there that's interested in learning to play the tuba? And so my son raised his hand. He'd been playing the tuba for a number of months. I didn't even know this. And then I got, uh, I went to one of his concerts, and I looked up, and I expected to see him with a trumpet in his hand, <laughs> and he had a tuba. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. He can he can really play the tuba, which, which, which is very cool. So, so... And the thing I love at the age of 13, and I know, Ron, when you were about that age, I think is when I showed you a few guitar chords. I, I can't. Can you read music at all? I can't. I can't. No, I mean, no, not the I can read chord charts, but not not. Yeah, I can read chord charts. I can't read music. And that's a cool thing when you're younger and you learn an instrument that you can actually read music. So anyway, a number, I think sometime, I think it was about a year ago. Uh, he had gone home from Christmas. He saw some of his cousins, and he has an older cousin, and his his older cousin is a very, very good guitar player. In fact, he was starring in a play called The School of Rock, which is about the Jack Black uh, movie. Have you have you seen the? Oh Jack? yeah, absolutely. So it's about the Jack Black movie, and and come to find out, his. His, his cousin went to the School of Rock, and then he ended up starring in this play back in Chicago, the School of Rock, for a number of months. So my son went to that, got really inspired by it, and so we started looking around, trying to find out more about the School of Rock. So I reached out to uh, your very good friend, Charles, who, anytime you want to know anything, he's a good resource. Well, both of his kids went to the School of Rock down by the airport. Yeah. So anyway, um, so we talked a little bit about the School of Rock. Also, when we got Charlie the dog, I'd called him because he's good at training dogs and other things. He's uh, he's he's a lot like you, where he has a lot of curiosity about a lot of things, and then he goes out and he learns those things and has these great experiences. So, the, and the great thing about his kids is kids live in the neighborhood. They've gone to a lot of the same schools that my son is going to now, and so it's kind of fun to to check in with him once in a while. So I I I had called him. And I, did, did you go hear his daughter sing? Was it you that went to hear her sing? I've heard her, not live, I've heard the recordings of her daughter. She's yeah, very, very cool. I, I had heard that, and, and maybe it was Charles that told me this, that he, he went, because when you go to the School of Rock, you can either become a singer, 
uh, in a band. You can be a keyboardist. You can be a drummer. You can be a bass player, or you can be a guitar player. And and so I think his I think I think Charles' son ended up playing the drums. His daughter ended up singing. And he said, "Boy, when they start, it's a little rough, especially when you hear them practicing at home." He said, "But." But then from time to time, they will have these concerts, and he said, it'll kind of blow you away when they have these concerts. So anyway, this, this, I think it was this past Saturday, my son calls me, and he says, hey, don't forget, I go on at 1. And I'm like, you go on at 1? What, what do you mean you go on at 1? And he goes, yeah, my concert, I go on at 1. And I'm like, you go on, you're having a concert? You go and then I wrote him back. I'm like, but you just had a concert at school where I was surprised to watch you play in the tuba. And he goes, no, he calls it SOR school of rock. And I, and I, I said, you have a concert. <laughs> and, he, and he goes, yeah, the concerts today. I go, I go on at one. And he's telling me this Saturday morning. And I said, where, where's your concert at? He says, I'm playing at the nectar. <laughs> <laughs> nice. He's got a gig. <laughs> And then, for those who don't know, and I'm going to see if I can find here and play guitar. How would you how would you describe the nectar to people in Bath? Oh, I mean, it's just a it's a, a place that you would see a live show. You know, a couple hundred people, like a bar type of gig. And the cool thing that I've seen with the School of Rock from the families that I've, that I've seen there is that you start out and you learn a song. Um, when you and I started playing back in the day, you would learn some stupid thing like Mary had a little lamb or hot cross buns and you would just sit there and they would take out a book and you would play the same three notes over and over. They pick out a real song and then you learn the song. Yeah. And so it doesn't matter if you know what chord it is or not, you can play a song and you're doing it with your peer group. And so I think that that is really just a more... You know, it's a more fun way to get into music. Yeah. So, so any, anyway, I'm like, well, I, I didn't know that you're, that, that you're having a show. I said, I'll be there at one o'clock. I said, how long do you play? And he said, well, I play five times. I said, you play five times. Uh, so, so like, this is like a four hour show. And he said, yeah, I think so. And I'm like, how could this be a four hour show? When I listened to him in his room, I hear him playing Lonely Boy in there a lot, and then maybe there's three or four other songs. And I go in there every once in a while, and I'll grab my guitar, and I'll, and I'll play with him, which is kind of interesting because he never thought I was a very good guitar player, and now he actually thinks that I'm kind of good because I'm a little bit better than him still. Of course. But, but that's not going to last very long. So, so he said, yeah, you got to email about this. And the thing is about the School of Rock, they email you about everything. So I get probably... No joke. I get email. I hear from the school of rock almost every day. Sometimes they're trying to sell you a class or do something like that. So I just hadn't opened this email. And so I was unaware. So anyway, I get to the nectar and I go to check in at the nectar and the girl out front is like, yeah, you can't come in. It's a sold out show. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, what do you mean? I can't come in. It's a sold out show. I said, but my son is, is in their plan. And she said, yeah, I'm sorry. It's, it's a sold out show. She said, do you have a ticket? And I'm like, well, I, I just kind of found out about the show. She said, how could you be a parent and just find out about the show? And well, I'm, like, riding I'm your like, case. you know what? That is a, you're making a good point. So I explained this to her. 
She wouldn't take my twenty dollars because they don't do that school rock for whatever instant, whatever reason. They ended up letting me in. It's a sold out show. She tried to bribe the door person. Yeah, it is. It's well, it's twenty dollars to get in the show, and you're not going to believe what I pay for the school of rock every month. Oh, and now I, I got to pay. Now I got to pay for the show. So we go, and it's a show. It's a rock show. They have bartenders in there. It's it's like Saturday night at the Nectar. This place is packed. There's all these kids up there on their instruments. And the way that it works is you will come out and you play a song with with a group of kids. And then that group of kids will leave. And then another group of kids come out and they'll play a song and then they leave. So they sit. That's why you end up playing for five hours because it's different groups of kids and different shifts. And then it's different pairings. And so one time, uh, my son came out and was playing, and I looked over, and you know who was over rocking next to me it was Mike Salt from the Brock and Salt oh, show. Nice. It was actually his daughter that was up there that was up there singing, which which was really great. So so anyway, he came over and he said, "You know what I think is really cool?" He said, "Your son is one of the only ones up there that actually playing lead because what it, what's interesting is through the course of the week." When you go to the School of Rock and the kids are in a band room and he goes to the one up in 85th, you go in there and you play to a sweetened track and you play with the instructor. But when it's time to do the show, you just go in there. There's no sweetened track and there's no instructor. And some of these kids you've never played with and it's just going to be whatever it's going to be. Right. So sometimes it sounds like Lonely Boy and sometimes it doesn't. (laughs) That makes sense. There's this one little girl that had to be seven. Oh my gosh, could she sing? And then I, I asked my son, I said, what is going on with 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 all the drummers? I said, they look to be like, he's 13. I said, they look to be like eight, nine, 10 years old. And he goes, yeah, dad. He goes, you know what? He goes, young kids just really like to bang things. And I'm like, yeah, cool. Anyway, let me, let me see. I'm going to find 20 seconds here real quick of him uh, jamming for you guys. Here we go. Here we go. At the School of Rock. Okay, here we go. This is with, let's see. This is the Black Keys song. This is with Girl on Bass. She probably is, is like 12 or 13. And then Mike Salk Daughter's singing. And then probably like a nine-year-old drummer. There's got to be like an eight-year-old kid on the keyboard. There's another kid who's probably 14 on, on guitar. He's on rhythm guitar. And then this is my son on uh, lead guitar. Sorry, just being a parent. People keep texting me. All right. Almost got it.
There you go. School of Rock. It's the Ron and Dodge Show. And hey, you guys, thanks for stopping by this episode of the show. Episode of the show. Don't forget, if you need us, just go to ronadonsitdown.com. We're doing sit-downs all next week. So if you have any real estate needs or any other kind of needs, we are here for you. Ronadonsitdown.com. Don't forget, we sell the sound. And also, don't forget, sometimes 13-year-olds, they just want to rock. He's Ron. I'm Don. Ronadonsitdown.com. You keep your head up and your shoulders back. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to The Ron and Don Show on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back and keep blowing that trumpet and we'll see you next time. Only. 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 Only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Only.